Welcome to Sunday Story Hour, where we share real-life stories of how human design has helped people tell a richer, more true story of who they really are. And I'm Kathy Bashanko. I'm your host. And today, my guest is my friend Nikki Howard. Nikki's a 5-2 manifesting generator that um, I met two years ago, right? 2021. In Even though she lives here, like... 40 minutes from me or something. I met her in Colorado at conference. Surprise, surprise, as it seems to be my, my, um, all my guests recently have been from conference, um, except of course my sister. But anyway, so Nikki is, um, going to tell you a little bit about her story and I'm going to find this in the group and pin the post while we're doing it. So don't I'm totally listening, but if I don't pin this, no one can ever find it. So that's my next thing. But Nikki, um, if would you like to tell us a little bit about how you um, found human design or it found you? Uh, sure. So let's see. <laughs> I was actually introduced to human design by a coworker. Um, this was some years ago. Um, and we, me and this this friend had a like, this connection and we were into the things that helped us, you know, find out about ourselves. Um, she was taking a more spiritual approach to things, um, with things like numerology, which I kind of wasn't as open to at the time, but she showed me human desire. She showed me the, 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 it was like a printout of what being a manifesting generator meant and those kinds of things. And, um, it kind of really uh, resonated with me just a little bit, but <clears throat> I was more into kind of like the personality assessment um, type tools. Like at the time, I was probably introduced to Myers Briggs and heavily into Gallup Strengths, the whole Strength Finder thing. So I was really tapping into my Strength Finders. Then some years later, I revisited the human design information and started reading a little bit more into it. I bought a book. The first book I bought was uh, one of Shay, I forgot his name, Shatan, Shatan's books. Right. So I bought his book and I just was like reading all into it and was so amazed at how the descriptions of things was describing me things that I could never really put words to. I was like, oh my goodness, like that is me on the inside. Um, and then just kind of started, you know, reading it over time, delving more into it. <clears throat> and then it wasn't until around 2020 when I decided to get the professional training in it and really started like, sharing it with people, you know, I, I kind of ended up getting into the numerology. So really understanding um, my numerology life path and my personal year cycles. So I was using that kind of as a personal development tool. Can you explain that a little bit for people? I know what it is, but if people don't know what that is, can you explain what that is and how you felt that connected? So um, numerology life path numbers are... So it's also based on your birthday, but you don't need the time necessarily to find out your life path number. 
and it's one through nine. Um, I'm a life path one. <laughs> and it just kind of gives you this description of kind of like what you're here to experience on earth <laughs> in, in this lifetime. Um, and then the year cycles are, you have a universal number for each year, but then you also, based on your birthday, have a personal um, year cycle. And it kind of just tells you about, you know, the themes of the energies that you will be experiencing through that particular year. And it was very helpful for me because at the time when I was really into it, I was in a personal year cycle two, which is a very slow year. And it was when I had first started getting into uh, communities that was kind of like teaching entrepreneurship and all these things. And I happened to find myself in a group that was all about the ground and the hustle, <laughs> which already didn't resonate with me. But there were people around me that were just doing all these amazing things. And as excited as I was for them, I was feeling out of sorts because I was going nowhere. <laughs> um, but once I understood the year cycle that I was in, it really helped me to just observe what was going on around me and not take it personal that I wasn't moving as fast as other people were. And so that was really significant for me because it really helped me to just sit in my own space and realize, hey, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Hopefully they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But I had to elevate my own self-esteem in order to be able to really just be in my own space and not pay attention to what other people were doing. So aren't all entrepreneurship circles the grind and hustle culture? <laughs> like it feels like that's all, right? They feel that way, but not all of them are. It's this particular few that aren't. And, and um, ironically, even the ones who were on the hustle and grind are starting to find themselves slowing themselves down. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, let's back up a little bit. So when you were first introduced to human design, what was the biggest aha? What was the the hook for you? The biggest thing was learning about being a manifesting generator. And when I read the words, you are supposed to be doing more than one thing. You can do more than one thing at a time. <laughs> and it all doesn't have to be, or any of it doesn't have to be related to what you do for your career. You don't have to make a million dollars doing it. But because I've always been into multiple things, mm -hmm. that was one of the first things that these communities were trying to get me to narrow down to one thing. And when they would say the one thing, I would feel this caving in my chest almost. Like, I don't want to pick one thing. And I, like, I just, and it would, I would freeze. And I felt like, I spent more time trying to figure out the one thing than doing anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I said, I'm going to drive myself more crazy trying to figure out the thing than I am doing the multiple things. From the outside, it looked like you're doing too many things. You're going to drive yourself crazy. No, I'm going to drive myself crazy trying to figure out the one thing. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, as I was looking at your chart again before I posted it, and I think in the notes above the vid, uh, above going live, I said, um, I just put a link to your chart, but I didn't explain what that link is. So if anybody wants to look at Nikki's chart, there's a link in the notes to this. It's from the where I posted it in the actual event, because I still haven't figured out a way to share it in this event once we're live. But when I was sharing or looking at your chart again this morning, I was already in the mindset of, oh, interesting. 5-2 is a pretty rare profile, like, right? It's only 2% of the world is a 2% of human design is a 2-5. And 2%, I mean, 2-5, 5-2. But 2% also is 2-5. And I have so many 5-2s and 2-5s in my life. It's kind of, kind of wild. Um, And what I noticed, though, is your chart is really super similar to my sister, who is the first person I had on for the Sunday Story Hour and is also a 5-2 manifesting generator with an undefined root and an undefined solar plexus and an undefined will center and an undefined head. In fact, I think she has a completely open head. Um, the only difference as far as your centers go is that you have um, an undefined Ajna and she has a defined Ajna. Um, but it really re, um, makes it reminds me, and I hope is a this. If anybody watched the first one with my sister and now watches you, shows how human design is really just. Um, it doesn't tell us who we're supposed to be because you're obviously very different than my sister. Um, not just obviously that we're not related, but you know that you're not you're you're the way you display all of this is very different. And I have people saying, hi, Marla's on here. Marla Max says, hi. Um, we've both known Marla. So, and Anna, I see Anna Fulton is on here. I'm not sure who else, but um, I just wanted to also say that, um, you know, um, you're, you're exploring this much more in a corporate culture than say my sister who is doing all this in, using her five ness in living in Thailand and doing her work as an, as an energy healer, right? So it's going to come about very differently. So as you started to realize this part about how you're meant to be doing all these things, did you feel like that gave you more permission to stop trying to slow down or what, how did that come about for you? What did that mean to you? Um, it gave me, yeah, so definitely the permission to not think that I had, that I needed to figure this thing out. Now, I did know that I still did need to put some uh, practices in place and learn discipline so that I can finish a thing, you know? Like right. once I find a thing and I want to see it through to the end. So I, I did ex- accept that part. But the whole thing about trying to make it all make sense. And this is very excruciating thing. Like this is excruciating pain when you're trying to, when you feel pressure. <laughs> well, you're so, a pressure cooker, right? You've got the open head and the open root. We call so it. So make, make it all make sense. Right. So even when trying to brand yourself or, you know what I'm saying? And you're trying to, figure out, well, how do I make the fact that, um, you know, I used to do photography and I'll do it sometimes if I feel aligned to it. Um, I love music. 
Um, I want to write a film script one day and I'm always at film festivals, you know. So who does this, who, who does all of this say that I am? <laughs> and trying to make it make sense to someone felt very hard. But then I kept having to get back to the point of you don't have to make it make sense to anybody. Just be yourself the people who get you are going to get you. And that's something that I ended up learning more through my two profile. Um, that you'll attract the people that are for you. And you are very, I'm very selective about even who I want to work with. So I'm not for everybody. So you're not even trying to appeal to the masses. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like this. And then I started finding that even people that I found myself working with or doing work for, the best situations were the people who truly appreciated my work for what it was, you mm -hmm. know, and I wasn't trying to perfect my photography and I took pictures for somebody and they just loved it. And I was looking at it as so average because <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not great at lighting or this or that, but they loved it. And I had to start letting that matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's a really, um, that's a really great point about the second line, just in general, when we start trying to people please, right. And we don't just let ourselves do things the way we naturally see them as meant to be. I think, cause I'm a second line, um, design also I'm a six, two and, um, when I started worrying about what other people think of how I do things, then especially, I don't know, and I guess it would be similar but different for the fifth line. But for me, it was like the role model, the sixth line is about being completely me and authentic. And the fifth line, if you start trying to worry about what other people think with all those projections on you, you're not going to know who the hell you are, right? Because everybody's looking at you as either their savior or the the devil, you know, right? The heretic. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah. So if you're if you're if you're not as totally in it for what feels right to you. So, how did you get better connected with what that meant to, for what feels right to you? It just it just is it is taking time. So it took time, but it still is taking time. I'm more settled in it now than. <clears throat> I have been in the past, but it's getting to that point of recognizing the moments when I feel it. So when I'm feeling it, and then now I'm aware of it and I recognize it, and then I have to remind myself that this is this is your base. This is it. <laughs> yeah. So the awareness and then you know, just being able to feel it, observe it then remind myself of this is, this is what it is. Um, and then the longer, the longer you live it, the, the longer you work with it, um, you just begin to experience it. So like right now I'm having these experiences with, um, feeling into my, uh, gate 20, which was through reading it, I would always have a disconnect of what it meant. I'm like, I don't understand. What does this mean? Can but, you just tell people where that gate is? Because some of our people are really new. Okay, so the gate 20 is in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And um, so I have the 3420 channel. So it's my uh, sacral, sacral, (laughs) connected to the throat. And I just never understood. Okay, you know, you you identify with certain parts of the chart more readily. That was one that I kind of just put up to the side. Like, I don't get it yet. But now I'm starting to get it because with all of the years of trying to do things or feeling like I should be doing something or this or that, I'm starting to notice the moments just happening. So when it's happening, I'm like, oh, shoot, it's happening. Like, this is it, (laughs) you know? And understanding that readiness in the moment. And so as I'm answering certain emails or having certain conversations or noticing that people are starting to ask me to do things, you know, and show up in a certain way and are asking me to do the things that I want to be recognized for. And I'm watching it in happening around me and other people and my partner, you know, and we have a lot of, that's a whole other story. We have a lot of similar um Gate, we have a lot of sim- similar gates in our chart. Um, so the awareness of how it works helps me understand it now when I go back and read it. So it's not just the reading, it's just don't think because you read it, you're going to know it immediately because some of the things take time to really show up in a powerful way for you to get it. That's a really good point. It's funny because um, Barbara was talking about that same channel and how she didn't recognize it in herself. And just recently, I was going through some additional training. And, um, you know, I've always been fascinated with that channel because not only does my sister have it, but my husband has it. And um, my husband's a manifesting generator. And I swear, I can't even tell you how many times I dug out his birth certificate and looked at it again to make sure the time was right. Because I'm like, there is no way. There is no way. This isn't right, right? And as I've gotten a better understanding of the nuances of human design, I've really understood how right it is. But the thing that was really not clicking for me is, you know, we think of that channel. It's the archetype of the manifesting generator, right? It's that, that what it's known as. It's the 34 from the sacral straight to the throat. So it's this quick energy where you don't even necessarily feel your sacral response before you've said it. And I was like, this man is not quick. I'm not. Right? <laughs> right? I'm like, I, how can he be a manifesting generator? He's like, let's slow down. Let's look at this logically. Let's, Right. And I was like, there is no way this is him. So, but in this, um, in one of the classes where she is talking, Karen Curry Parker was talking about how this is part of the um, integration circuit, which she calls the transformational circuit, I think, or circuit, something like that. Um, But it really takes time for you to integrate. It's part of you integrating things. And when you know, you know. It's like that when you know, you know, but you don't always know right away, right? Sometimes it takes time. And that's what um, I think has been really the hardest thing to explain to people. And I didn't believe understand it either is human design just in general. You can read it all day long, but you ain't going to know it until you're ready to know it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to live it until you've integrated that knowledge into your life. You have almost the whole entire integration circuit. I noticed the only gate you're not 
um, defined in is gay 10. Now, obviously, we all have all of the chart, but you have definition in all of it except for gay 10, which is gay 10 is all about self-love. And so to me, that would mean that your biggest hold up to integrating your things might be finding the self-love. Is that how that's manifested for you? Or is how do you think that plays well, out for you? Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think the interesting thing, and I know this has nothing to do with numerology, but my life path one is about finding your self-love, your self-worth and your self-esteem. Like that's the whole story of that one life path is you're you are you're pioneering, you're innovative, but you have to believe in yourself first before, you know, not even before other people can believe in you because people see it. And that also ties into the, the gate too, you know. I mean the 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 two line. People see it. And so it's just interesting to me that it's gate 10 and that typically would equal out to one, one plus zero is one. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Being the, being the missing piece, but also the journey of my life. Um, also with that, with the, having the open will center, it has been the self-esteem, the self-work. Like my story has been, um, as far as education. So I was very smart as, as a child. I was in a gifted class in elementary school, but somewhere around high school, um, due, due to some you know personal things going on in my home, with my parents and things like that, I started cutting classes and then I ended up dropping out of high school. So starting off my career <laughs> with you know a GED, and then I ended up landing a job in corporate. Right. So I go to corporate as a receptionist. But as I'm there all these years, I'm learning as I'm going. I'm learning. Um, I'm getting promotions and things, not recognizing that I'm using the brilliance and the skill, the gift that, that God gave me was by um how I learn, being a learner. That's how I learn, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And so even when I was talking about the strength finders, one of my top five strengths was learner. Like you like to, everything that I did in school was if I had to pass a test, I would study it for that weekend and then pass the test, you know? (laughs) But I wasn't recognizing that along the way. So even, so getting into corporate without having the, the college degree and all the things, I felt like I just lucked up in this place <laughs> and it held me back way more than I probably could have gone because I always felt insecure that I did not have enough or I wasn't enough for the things that I saw in my mind that I could to, could do or wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, so all of that, and I'm talking about, I'm 51 now <laughs> and it's just hitting me. Girl, you're brilliant. <laughs> right just be Bruce like just be yourself and when you show up that's enough yeah but you keep hiding and pulling back because you think it's supposed to look a certain way you're supposed to have certain things and I know that those things matter in certain places but you really 
miss out on your own magic when you're thinking those things and not showing up in your fullness. So this work really has helped me to truly embrace all the things that I've just naturally been given. It's like, that's you right there. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me, um, how has it been embracing the idea of being a fifth line? Like, as you understand it, like, has that, you know, for those who are new to human design, the fifth line is known as the heretic slash savior because they're this karmic mirror and we tend to see in you or any fifth line being the lesson and wound that we need to see for us to um, grow and change and heal. And so we project a story onto you to see what we need to see in a way that a lot of times um, fifth lines feel like no matter what they do, you know, there are certain people who just always think they're this way, or there's all these people who have these high expectations of them, like, you know, certain people who just think you're going to always be the one who fixes everything, like at work, are you the one that everyone thinks is going to solve all the problems, or, you know what I mean? Like, um, so I'm just wondering how that's played out for you, or if you reflected on that. Again, I think it probably showed up in ways that were... (laughs) Could have been more beneficial for me. So if people saw me capable of something, but I didn't think I was, but because of the other things, you know, right? <laughs> because of the other uh, reasons, which I guess would be the uh, conundrum, right? <laughs> um, but so the interesting thing about the side is, like, I'm steady, still learning and leaning into what that is. So I just realized that. I'm surrounded by fives. Um, my mom's five. My father, my father is a five. My daughter's a five. <laughs> so we all have your nodes are fifth line. So that makes sense. We all have five in in our in our profiles. Um, I got it in the sense of people seeing things in me that I didn't see in myself. Right. But then also, I think where we're in where I experienced it maybe in a negative way was more in my uh earlier young adult years in my dating life. <laughs> you know, kind of like the people that I ended up in relationships with. And you know, they say with the five, you know, you attract people who see in you what they need to heal in themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think I used to see the better part of them and they weren't there yet. And then they would end up being some kind of way. And I would wonder why, I'm like, why do, why do they see me that way? That's not how, that's not even what I think I'm projecting to them. Well, that's not what I think I'm showing them, but it, I, assume it was something that they needed to heal within themselves because mm-hmm. I felt like I was being taken advantage of. <laughs> yeah. Or, or not being seen for what I thought I was really bringing to the table, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I'm seeing it now. But in in relationship now, I've been noticing it with me and my mom with the stories that we put on one another. 
What'd you say she was again? I think you just said it, but she's a five one. I think. Okay, that's what my husband is. She's a five one, and um, you know, I see where she can grow. Like I see the better parts, but she has this limitation thing, and we both get frustrated because then she has this idea of what I think an ideal daughter should be doing just based on this mother-daughter relationship. And I think it's no, I think it's based on nothing but maybe the relationship she had with her mother. And I had to tell her, I don't even know the script to this story that you have. So <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't know if I want to do it, if I knew what to do. Like I said, listen, I don't know who she is. I'm not her. I don't have right. a <laughs> uh, She was so shocked. She was like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that that's bold. That's hard to do sometimes, though, but we got to do it, right? Yeah, and I said, you know, I just wanted to be, I'm just like, listen, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm being horrible as a daughter, but I'm being myself. Like, I'm just learning who this real me is and I'm taking all the opportunity in the world to be her. And that may look a different way to you and you may not get what you want or the attention or the response to your text messages or how many phone calls you think I should give you. And you may not get that. And I'm sorry. (laughs) Right. I love you. (laughs) Right. But I am going to experience this evolution of who I am inside and be all that I can be. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, you know, um, that, you know, we kind of have this thing as parents, right? Because you have a son, right? I have a daughter. Daughter. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. You have a daughter. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Although I don't know, sometimes I might be sorry. I don't know. I have a daughter Um, and a grandson. Okay. That's what I remember. It's your grandson. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and I always think you're like 25, so it always starts. <laughs> um, I don't know. You just look so much younger than me. And so, um, okay, but I had to really come to this thing, and I did this through understanding my daughter's human design. And I had to come to this thing where I really realized that her story is not mine to tell, it's not mine to, even though I'm a projector who's here to guide, I'm not here to guide her unless she wants me to. I was, I gave birth to her. I fed her and clothed her and that's what I, and I was meant to do all those things. But she's here to decide how her life is going to go, right? And what it's going to be. And so much of our conditioning in society as women is to get our worth from the store of what sort of child we raise, right? Uh-huh. So we have these ideas because this is how we're going to find our value is through our relationships in a lot of cases, right? And luckily you and I have defined um, identity centers. It makes it a little bit easier, but if your mother, for example, has an open identity center, it's even more likely that she's finding her um, value through that open, you know, through that role. And it's hard when all of a sudden you don't get to say who your child is going to be when you thought that's what your whole point on this earth was, right? How am I going to 
um, find my value through this child who, by me raising this great adult, I can now say I did something worth. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think what also happens is, you know, we all have a perspective and we see life through that perspective. And that looks like right. You know, and so anything that anybody does outside of that, some people, it's just like, I just don't see how you could not think what I'm thinking, you know? (laughs) And that sometimes, you know, the dilemma is, we don't see that people have the right to exist as they are until and if they grow into, you know, the better version <laughs> of themselves. And who's to say what that is? Like, we all who think that we know that? what the better version of someone is, right? Exactly. Right. And, and that's why you can't see my shirt, but I have this new T-shirt that I made that says, Here, Let show her, us. Stand up. Let her exist. <laughs> oh, I love that. Let her exist is my motto <laughs> is let yourself be who you are until you do the the natural evolution of who you're growing in to be. <sighs> um, you know, and not to just stay stagnant and be who you are and just like, I don't know who I am and I'm not changing, but let it be because it needs light in order to evolve. But because if we think we're wrong, if we think we're not right, we tend to hide those parts of ourselves. You know, but things need light. You need to be exposed. You need to play. You need to be on the playing field, you know, to yeah have the things and grow. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, let, let yourself exist and let people exist too. <laughs> yeah, that's really powerful. Because we t- so much, there's so much, um, you know, it's that hustle grind culture, right? Like, and even the whole self-help culture sometimes is like, get it together, girl come on, pull yourself up, fix it. Right. You yeah. know, and sometimes we just seem to be gentle with ourselves. Right. Yeah. And trust that, you know, well, one is like, I just shared a thing yesterday from Abraham Hicks, you know, something about, remember we came here for the fun, right? So if it's hard, just slow down. Mm-hmm. Right. And be just, gentle. Like you said, be gentle with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I love that. So. Um, so tell me how you're, um, using this, like, okay, I don't know which way I want to go first. So I'll ask you which way you want to go first. Do you want to, cause I'm curious how you're, how this is, um, cause you're about, you said you started training about three years ago and how long ago did you find human design? Was it? Oh, over 10, about 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So tell me how this, if you want to talk about how this is impacting you with your, um, daughter and your grandchild, or if you want to talk about how you're dealing with this at work, which one feels like you um, talked about? Well, you talk about work. <laughs> um, how it's impact, well, how's it impacted me at work? Well, another thing. <laughs> so I'm very curious. I want to talk about human design at work, but it's such an esoteric type of thing that it's, you know, hard to just go into there and be like, hey, you should ask for everybody's birthdays and times and give them this chart. Um, but from the more from the collective perspective of what's going on in the world and how we're showing up at work, 
especially after the pandemic and them wanting us to come back into the office and things like that. And understanding that um, we as humans are evolving and that we're not the same humans that left the workplace in 2020, where we're, we're much different. And so the things, um, even the language, the language, just how corporate works has to change. You know, things need to be upgraded in the language. I remember the first time we went back to work and they were having a, a presentation and they use a language, something like, oh, listen to this person talk about their experience climbing the corporate ladder. And something in me just was like, oh, you know, I was like, right. We don't care about the corporate ladder. We don't want to climb it, you know, like, and I was right? like, come up with some different language for that because that's not a piece. That's, you know, that's, that's not attractive anymore. Um, that's not what we're really aspiring to do. And um, we're not, like, we're just not at work for this. I'm not at work for the same reasons I was, you know, feeling like, like, we're not trying to prove, we're not trying to get all these extra things to prove ourselves. Right. And now I'm, I'm in rooms where I'm able to have discussions um, about it on a more, you know, on a casual basis, you know, to say that there has to be more of a balance of a give and take. Yes, because, okay, everybody's not going to be an entrepreneur. So, yes, there, we have people who want to work, who work, you know, jobs. You need our talents and we want to give it <laughs> because we want to tap into the things that make us feel joy and make us feel, you know, good and productive and like we're making an impact. So for one, help the employees to tap into, you know, and appreciate them for their, for their natural gifts and talents, allow them to use it. And then to give us the freedom because we're, we're, we're adults. So we're, you know, most of us are mature. We're adults. We love our jobs because of the life that it affords us to live. So the micromanaging and all that stuff of old has to go away. <laughs> you know, so yeah. these, these, and then people even have found out more about what, what means what's important to them. You know, people have been home with their children, their families. So, you know, just being at work eight, 10 hours a day, it's not going to work anymore. So it's the quicker they realize it's not going to work. We can come to the table with some, you know, valuable discussions on how we make this work for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so... I can see where your work personally with human design has helped you to see that your value doesn't come from your roles or your labels or somebody else's opinion of you and how that's affected. But yeah, human design could be really um, helpful in helping un people to understand how to um, really follow their gifts. Have you tried talking to anybody at work about human design? I'm curious. Um, Are you still kind of in the human design closet at work? <laughs> no, I'm not. And, well, no, it's one of the first things that I even mentioned. Uh, we were just on a, an, a call where we were just like virtual, getting to know other people in the company. And it's one of the first things that I brought up because it was like, oh, what do you do on your downtime? I study human design because I'm really passionate about personal development and, and authenticity. 
And, you know, the girl's like, oh, like, I've heard of it. So I bring it up, you know, to people, um, Mm -hmm. talk about it one-on-one. And then on the, on the well, on the health and wellness side, they are introducing more, um, I was, I could just call it esoteric programming. Like they've brought in someone to do EFT tapping. They've, um, you know, brought in people to do virtual sound bathing sessions and things like that. Right. I'm just making sure that I'm making the right connections and being in the right spaces in the right room. So I'm not afraid to talk about it. I just haven't had the important discussion yet. (laughs) Yeah. So what would you like to do with it? In that, well, for one, I would love to just introduce it and talk about the types because, I mean, imagine the person who doesn't know that they're a projector in that, you know, they are not here to work as hard or as long as someone else or even um, taking breaks, you know, allow giving yourself permission to take breaks and not thinking of yourself less because you feel like I need a nap or whatever the case, you know what I'm saying? So it's important in the corporate world. It's important in the entrepreneurship world, which I I I was able to actually help a few people to kind of slow their roll, you know, and, and it really made an impact. And I think that's what made me really want to do it, you know, professionally is when I shared it and people were unaware of that small piece of themselves and it shifted a perspective and it helped them look into things to really question the things that they had on their table and like, why do I have this? You know what I'm saying? And do I really want this long-term? Yeah. So what do I need to change today in order to look at my life to know what is sustainable for me? Right. Because working this hard every day is not beneficial to me, my family, or is it even yielding me what I really want long-term? Yeah. So um, now as far as... um, taking it more back into your personal life a little bit. Uh-huh. You kind of made some, you made a comment, I don't remember what it was now, something about your um, partner. Uh-huh. And I know he's a comedian, uh-huh. and so that's got to be interesting, you know, professional comedian. Um, but how have you found, because you did make some comments about early relationships, people projecting on you and them having their stuff. And I'm just curious how human design now in this relationship has helped you to navigate things in ways that are are helping you to deal with that same, you know, cause I'm sure there's some projections unless he's completely healed, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> most comedians come, you know, most jokes come from a place of needing to heal. So. Exactly. <laughs> um. So, so the comment that I made was about the similarities that we had in our chart. So going into human design, I would look at his chart. First of all, he, he, when I first met him, there was some things going on that made me question. I was like, wait, I need to figure out his human design. I didn't know the time is, I didn't know the time who was born, but I took my best guess. And I looked at the little differences and I said, hmm, it must be this one because this is what I'm seeing. Right. 
And then later in the relationship, uh, once I found out his time, I realized I was right. I chose the yeah. right. I chose the right time of day. And I was like, hmm. So it really explains some things that probably would have sent me or anyone else running immediately if you just took it for face value. I don't know if I would have had the, I would say patience, but I think it was more curiosity. <laughs> curiosity to see what that really was um, showing up and having an understanding and understanding for it. So I knew that there was similarity. I was like, oh, we got this alike. We got this alike. But it wasn't until I started really learning when I was doing like the classes and training that I looked at our chart and realized that my design date, my unconscious, my whole unconscious side, because I was like, wait, my whole, my whole unconscious side is almost his, except for a few gates, his whole personality side. Well, my born, my design date is his birthday, <laughs> right? Okay. I never paid attention to the date, and I was like, "Wait a minute, my design date is his actual birthday." I was like, "How crazy is that?" <laughs> like he's about eighty-eight or about ninety days or so older than you. Mm-hmm. That's and cool. I said, "How crazy is that?" So I just thought that was it. Like it's an interesting story human design story, at least. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so there's a lot of things that we we have a life. And so um, some things in him, I don't see, you know, it like, I know that there's a tendency for it. There's a potential for it. He's not really into this kind of stuff. So he doesn't, he's not really into it. He doesn't listen to it like intently or deeply. He doesn't make jokes about it yet. It's not, not part of his material. Not yet. He probably wants to. But what? <laughs> he probably wants to. <laughs> but he hasn't yet. But um he he's more open to it. He's open to me doing it and and hearing my little insights when I do see something. And I'm like, oh, well, that is because it is another and I and I'll share something and he's he's open to it. But um what's his type? He is, he's a manifesting generator as well. And he's what profile? He's a four or six. He's a four one, I believe. Oh, four one. Oh, you ain't changing him. <laughs> For those who don't know, four one is the, um, the position, the profile at, of the juxtaposition cross because it's, um, a fixed fate profile. So, um, um the first line needs the stability in self, the investigating themselves. The fourth line needs the stable network, investigating there. And it's very, you know, they have a fixed role. And that those are the juxtaposition crosses that you'll see in the incarnation crosses, right? Is that? Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So we do have some comments. Um, we've had a lot. Um, just a lot of general, like, yes, agreeing kind of comments from um, people um, like Anna, Anna Fulton. And um, she's, te I'm not sure at what point she said, sister, this is your open, exciting. So um, I did see that pop up. And she said how we work together and speak to each other. So powerful. Then Lynn um, says, EFT has saved my sanity several times at previous job. 
We should uh, not be at that level of stress um, at work to need to tap it out. But isn't it great to have that as a resource when we are? Because sometimes our stress comes more from something in us that gets triggered at work that's not even necessarily about the job, right? So sometimes we get triggered by a coworker, a situation, something that reminds us of a feeling we had in our past. So being able to use something like tapping in the moment mm-hmm. is really awesome. Um and then let's see, Lynn says, I think it's the open G needing acknowledgement, never had any appreciation. So glad to be out of there. I'm not sure um, some of these are. Oh, um, when Lynn was, when I think Lynn, what you're asking is what's the design date that's in your, um, she said, what's that, our HD date. So when we ha- look at our chart, we have our personality gates and we have our design gates. And the design gates come from when the design crystal is um, imprinted 88 astrological degrees prior to our birthday. So you'll see on a lot of charts, it'll tell you when your design date is. Um, but it's 88 degrees of the astrological chart prior to your birthday. And that's what she was talking about. So if anybody has any questions, we've got about nine more minutes here where we can chat. And um, if anybody has anything specific they want to ask Nikki, or even if you want to ask me, um, that's fine too, just about the stuff we've been talking about. And while we're waiting to see if there's any questions, I'm wondering if there's anything that I have not asked you about that you might care to share about Nikki I know that's a pretty broad question I'm supposed to ask <laughs> yes or no yeah no I'm not sure um I think yeah, so people buy your t-shirts if they wanted to buy a t-shirt so stay tuned because this is actually just like a sample I just got these this I just got this this week okay <laughs> I wanted to see what it looked like on on a shirt or right. what's what style t-shirt that I wanted to put it on or what colors and things like that. So yeah, stay tuned. Um, that's going to be, uh, and I'm actually going to create a kind of like, like a workbook to go along with it as well, just to help people guide people through the whole contemplation of self-acceptance. Yeah. So that, that really has been the journey of my story is, Self, self-acceptance um, and especially so I thought that I only was a like everybody has this thing oh I feel weird I feel like I don't fit in but I re- realizing because I thought everyone else looked the same to me you know like everybody's doing pretty much the same thing and I don't want to do that you know <laughs> right but the more you talk to people, you realize every a lot of people have that same, a lot of people feel that feeling like I don't fit in. Um, but then you learn this this work in human design and learn just how very unique each individual is. So it's like everybody has some facet of their life where they have this thing that just feels like it doesn't fit in and you may try to uh, suppress it, hide it, or only reveal it around certain people, but then come to the understanding that that little piece of quirkiness is the actual gift that you should be sharing. So you should not. And that I had to come to terms with that. Like I would, I was always identified as shy, which I think is a truth for me. I'm an introvert, you know, 
uh, line two on my profile. But I wouldn't say certain things around people because I'm like, they're going to think I'm crazy, you know, or they're not going to get it. And then if I make a friend or someone and they get me, I totally, you know, come out and blossom in front of this person or your small group of people. But it's like the thing that you feel the most hesitant to say is the thing that you should be saying, you know? And so I'm still in the the process of, of practicing that, you know, I'm like, yeah. You want to say that? Say it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. And just not care to get it. They don't get it. And then realize, you know, you have people coming to you later and be like, that time you said this, it is something that stuck with them for years. I'm like, really? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. I remember one time um, someone talking about. Uh, um, you know, something I told her at book club one time. And she's like, I remember when you pulled me aside and you told me all this and that meant so much to me. And I'm like, what did I say? (laughs) You know, and you know, it's not that, I mean, I tend to not remember anything for more than an hour, but it's a good thing we can record stuff because this open Aja of mine, I always feel like it's in there somewhere. It'll come out when it needs to. Um, And that's one of the things human design has really allowed me to not be freaked out about how much I don't remember and to trust that I'll know, I'll remember, I'll recall what I need to recall when I need to recall it, you know, it's um, been a huge thing. But we've had a few comments after I asked for questions and I don't, you know, want to run out of time without addressing them. Um, One of them, Anna said two things, Anna said three things. So I'm going to read her three and then address them all. So she said, how would you suggest we can bring this work to corporate world, Kathy? And then she said, yes, I want a shirt. Already quoted you. Let her exist. Lit up my sacral. And then she said, I would love to offer HD packages to business here in the Silicon Valley. And then she says, and now another one just came through, inner healing for so many of us, a lifelong process, but leveraging the energy gets easier. Yes. So first of all, I think for all of us, um, because she, as far as in the corporate world is we've got to feel comfortable to be who we are and to trust that if somebody has a problem with it, it's because they don't understand it. And even if we get told, called in to say, Hey, you can't talk about this stuff. Um, that that in itself is an opportunity for you to talk about this stuff and why it's okay to talk about it. And maybe that's not the right place for you. And we shouldn't be evangelizing anything, whatever we're doing, is more about who we're being, right? So by us living our design, people are just going to be naturally curious. Nikki, what are you doing? Kathy, what are you know, what are you doing? Or I see you being so authentic, right? How did you get to that? Well, I've used this tool. Um and you know, so that's a big thing, but I I think more and more human um resources departments are starting to realize the necessity of dealing with people individually. And human design is known as the science of differentiation. It's about how we are meant to be uniquely ourselves. And once we fully allow ourselves to uniquely be ourselves, we can't help but allow others to do the same. So even if we completely disagree with somebody, we can completely respect their right to be who they are in a way that would really make for a great corporate culture, right? So um, 
I'm thinking that, you know, it just starts with really, you know, just really being, you know, um, confident and comfortable in who you are in a way that, you know, when people ask you about it, you can say, <clears throat> this is what helped me. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, based on something you said, Nikki, was, I don't know, the, the, the phrase came up that I've always loved is, why fit in when you were born to stand out, right? Stop trying to fit in. We need to all stop trying to fit in. And that's what I hate about the whole school system is we try to homogenize everybody in the schools right now. We're trying to make everybody be able to sit in a chair and learn the same things. And that's just crazy for a world that has so much potential information and things out there, right? And why would we want to have all these kids trying to be the same in the beginning? Like, yes, we need a foundation of knowledge, but we need to do it in a way that allows people to know that they are exactly who they're supposed to be, right? And so that starts with us being ourselves in a way that also allows everybody else to be themselves. And, you know, we have a lot of people out there that are spending a lot of energy telling everybody how wrong they are in what they're thinking and what they're saying instead of just being themselves, right? Putting your energy into being yourself. So, um, and then Lynn also said, I'm going to, oh, I should let you respond to that if you want to say something before I get into Lynn's um, comment, but we're almost out. No, go ahead, because I know you're on um, on time. Okay, Okay. but Lynn said something about, um, there was one more comment I saw, Lynn's. If Nikki could suggest a couple of pointers on inner healing, on inner healing, and are we ever healed? Are we ever healed? Um, so there's de- there are definitely layers <laughs> to to healing. Um, inner healing for I mean for me it is it starts with the self awareness piece, like just time, um, time, solitude. Um, this phrase I use. From rapper Biggie, Biggie Smalls, mad question asking. <laughs> mad question asking. Ask, asking yourself all of the questions um, and not being afraid to deal with the ugly stuff that we sometimes find. It ain't all That's great. so perfect. That's so perfect for you because your um, personality, sun, and earth are both head gates that are about asking questions, right? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> mad question asking. But I would say, I would add to that. <clears throat> asking the questions and then kind of letting them go, right? Instead of needing a concrete... Yeah, letting them go, let let the answers come to you because they will. And um, and not being scared. Like, don't be frightened when things show back up. Because sometimes we think we healed from something and then this thing will come back up all of a sudden. You're like, why is this showing up? I thought I dealt with that already. It's just because there's mm. another piece of wisdom that it's time for you to now get from that thing. It doesn't all make sense at one time. So you just really have to be so open to all of the things. <laughs> Ooh, just hit my ring. Yeah, that's a really good point because I do think things happen in layers. Kind of like, and if you think about it, even from an astrological standpoint, like we have our first Saturn return around 29 and we deal with these lessons from Saturn, right? And we think we've learned all this stuff because it beats us the crap out of us. And even if we don't think that 
even if we're not aware of um, astrology or human design, we still go through those things. And those are the kinds of lessons that we learn. And um, like for me, my Saturn gates are gate 13, which is about telling a better story, which is what I'm doing here, right? This telling a better story of who you are um, and the narrative we use. And so a lot of that for me was a whole different, um, a lot of painful lessons about, um, you know, who I was and how I associated with my roles and my relationships and all that sort of stuff at a 29-year-old level. Well, then you come back around, like you're saying, at when I had my second Saturn return, it was really clear that in the process of the last 29 years, I'd forgot about a lot of important parts of myself. I had not necessarily forgotten about it, but I'd pushed them down, right? So now this is another layer of that same thing. Who are you? What's the story you're telling about yourself? And for me, that was a really strong thing. So that layer, so I think life, you know, is that spiral, right? And we keep going around, but every time we come around, we're at a little bit higher level. Right. And feeling. being in the, not being in the practice of pushing things, you know, to the side. So like I knew the things I need to deal with, I was like, I got this, this, this going on. I got career, relationships, relationship with my father. You know, what do you want to deal with? I was like, well, but time will tell you when it's time to deal with whatever it's time. Like I literally was walking on Stone Mountain one day and heard a voice <laughs> said, call your father. I was like, what? <laughs> wow. Call your father. And I was like, okay. And then it just, I just knew at that time, okay, it's time to deal with this. <laughs> right. So when it comes, you know, cause I could have been really bullheaded at that time, which I started out. I'm like, nah, we good. I didn't talk to him. Like, <laughs> right. So just deal with it as it comes. When you hear it, you'll know it's time and just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole nother probably hours worth of subject of learning to listen to which which is the voice in our head that we listen to and which is the one that we say, isn't it interesting that that voice is still there telling me this stuff, even though I know that's all wrong, right? Because mm-hmm. there's that, there are both of those voices, our higher self and then the part of us that I think comes from a, a place of fear and what, you know, the, I guess what they've, you know, called Freud called the ego, you know, the whole idea, or is that Carly, whoever it is that talked about the the lower ego, you know, that's trying to keep us safe and small. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, right. So we've got both those voices, but sometimes in trying to like quiet that voice that's keeping us small, we miss that voice that knows what we need. Right. So um, anyway, um, we are out of time or I would talk to you for another hour, Nikki. So anyway, I would really like to thank you. And I'd like to thank everybody who has joined us live and anybody who catches this on the replays. And every week we're sharing these stories of somebody's human design story. And um, I would like to say, are you ready to rewrite your story? Because human design is a really powerful tool. And if you're ready to embrace who you came here to be, you can DM me or schedule a call at kathybashanko.com. And if you're interested in finding out more about working with Nikki, how can people contact you, Nikki? Well, the name of my um, company is Flow Life Solutions. There is a website that exists. I'm in the middle of transferring it, uh, but it's it's out there. Um, but then also you can follow me on Facebook, 
Um, I have a page. It's just Nikki Howard. And that is where I'm going to be putting the links to the other platforms that I'm currently in the process of building. Um, I'm on Instagram as a pretty dope fish. I'm a Pisces. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So in my typical uh, line to fashion, I've been hiding out. So you won't necessarily see all the things, but I'm in the process of putting those things together. So I definitely want to thank you, Kathy, for having me on because um, as much as I'm talking, I, I'm usually not used to talking this much, but I it's like that whole gate 20 thing. It's the time is now. And so the, the voice is actually beginning to show up in its power. And I'm excited about that. <laughs> Good. So I want to thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Nikki. And um, on that note, I'm going to stop the live and we'll see you next week. <laughs>